Hey everybody, welcome to the COPD Wellness Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk today about the ketogenic diet and its application to respiratory disease. And I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Steve Welch. G'day Steve, how are you? Good, Russell, how are you? Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for your time. I know you're a busy man at the moment. Steve, for our audience, I'd like to just go into an introduction on your background and and what's led you to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Russell, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's an honor for me to be on this as well. Uh, let me just start off by saying that you know, COPD is a disease that uh, uh, I've seen Im- impact people uh, personally. My mother had COPD, um, and uh, I actually worked for 25 years for the American College of Chest Physicians, which is uh, basically a, an international medical education organization. Uh, in my role there, I was uh, the head of publishing and, and worked as publisher of their journal Chest. Um, and toward the end of my time there, I served as the uh, executive vice president and CEO of the organization. And we provided medical education to pulmonary and critical care physicians. So uh, I, I dealt with a lot of doctors who treated COPD patients uh, my mother was a COPD patient, and so, uh, you know, that, that sort of gives me a little bit of a background into uh, understanding the disease and the challenges that patients like you go through. Um, but it also, you know, all, at the same time, I've always had an interest in health and fitness, and uh, more recently, I've gotten my certification as a fitness nutrition coach. Um, for the past six years, I've been doing low-carbohydrate and ketogenic diet uh, and nutrition, and uh, have been uh, in the process of writing a, a book, um, ideally a sort of a definitive um, encyclopedia, as it were, about all things keto uh, and how they apply it to different diseases and different uh, potential medical issues. And so um, it's just come out on Amazon. It's called The Ketogenic Key. Um, and I know maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, but uh, before we do that, I'm happy to to talk a little bit about the ketogenic diet, and, and I know it's something you're very experienced with, and uh, you know, hearing a little bit about your success with it, uh, I'm really interested in that as well. And I guess a, a lot of our audience are, are interested to, to hear more about the ketogenic diet. I guess it's in the respiratory community, it's something that's not talked about a lot at this stage. It's not something that doctors practice. I know there are a, a growing number of doctors who are, are looking down the road of ketogenic diets. So I guess the biggest question I get is what is a ketogenic diet? Sure. Now that's a great question to start out with. So I think the simplest way to, to explain it is that you know your body is kind of like a hybrid car. Okay. It, it can really run on two fuels. And primarily most people who, who eat a, a what you'd call a standard diet, eat a lot of carbohydrates. Um, and those carbohydrates convert in the body into glucose or, or blood sugar. And your body primarily uses glucose as a fuel. Um, and so the thing about a ketogenic diet is you actually try to get, you, you eat in a manner that you cut back on the carbohydrates to the point that your body has to seek another fuel. And what it does is it will switch to its secondary fuel, um, or depending on who you talk to, what should be its primary fuel um, in nature. Uh, It turns to metabolizing fat, and it breaks down fat into 
molecules called ketones. And ketones, um, your body's cells are able to use ketones as a fuel. And so basically a ketogenic diet means that you're, you're, you're eating in a way that your carbohydrates are so low that your body has to produce ketones in order to fuel itself. And so um, a well-formulated ketogenic diet typically is, is high in fat, uh, it's very low in carbohydrates, and typically moderate to low in protein. And I think that's important to, to point out because a lot of people associate a ketogenic diet with um, the Atkins diet, which was popular in the 70s and the 80s, uh, which was a very high protein diet. And, and, and now we've seen, we, we now know that a ketogenic diet really should be moderate to low protein, but much higher in fat. Um, so that, essentially, that's, that's the, the basics of what it is. Yeah. Something that a lot of people immediately uh, raise their eyebrows at is when we talk about consuming a high volume of fat. Because as we know, you know, fat has been the bad guy in nutrition for many years, or so we thought. But that's not so much the case, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's really hard because for, you know, for, for the last 50 years, it's been drilled into our head that fats are bad and that we should eat more uh, carbohydrates. Uh, and of course, look what's happened since we followed that advice as everybody has gotten, uh, you know, obese, type 2 diabetes runs rampant, heart disease. Uh, you know, it turns out that um, the, the advice we got was faulty due to some bad science and some bad um, lobbying and, and influenced by the food industry. Um, you know, research has now shown us very clearly that uh, fats really are not uh, the villain and cholesterol is not the villain it was led to, to, to be believed to be. And you know, so the, the thing about a ketogenic diet is, first of all, I think people should understand that your, your body needs fat and your body needs cholesterol. In fact, you know, cholesterol is such an important nutrient that if you don't eat enough of it, your body will produce it itself. But the thing is that eating cholesterol is not necessarily a bad thing because your brain is 60% fat and cholesterol and both your, your nervous system, uh, your hormones all uh, are derived from cholesterol. So eating cholesterol is actually pretty important. Um, the problem happens when we eat fats with sugars and refined carbohydrates. Because what happens when you eat a lot of carbohydrates, um, especially sugar and refined flour, things like that, it causes your blood sugar to spike. And whenever you have a spike in blood sugar, first of all, glucose in your bloodstream is toxic. Um, so your body looks for a way to get it out of there as soon as possible because it can cause an, it causes inflammation. So what your body does is when you eat those carbohydrates and you spike your blood sugar, your body will release insulin. And insulin's role is to go out to your bloodstream, take those, those glucose molecules and shuttle them into your cells to use for energy. Um, or if you've eaten a lot of them um, and consumed a lot of them, then it'll take that extra, those extra glucose mo molecules and it'll store them as body fat. And so um, the thing about insulin is it is also an inflammatory hormone. So when you eat a lot of carbohydrates, you're basically creating an inflammatory state in your vascular system because of the high levels of glucose and the high levels of insulin that are required to get the glucose out of there. And it's interesting what, what we've learned from the research is that so cholesterol molecules in and of themselves are actually quite important and quite healthy. Um, they're used for repair. 
Uh, in fact, if you have damage to your blood vessels, your body will dispatch cholesterol to that area in order to heal it. Now, what happens if you are in an inflammatory state because you've eaten, uh, your, your, your blood vessels are inflamed because of uh, high uh, carbohydrate and, and sugar intake, is that reactive oxygen species uh, can actually oxidize those, those cholesterol molecules and cause them to begin to form plaques. And so the, the thing about heart disease is cholesterol's been villainized, but it's only a villain in, in the context of eating a high carbohydrate and high sugar diet. If you don't do that, cholesterol is incredibly healthy for you and actually incredibly restorative to a lot of your body and its, and its organs. So I hope that was a I hope that was a reasonable explanation there for people shouldn't be afraid of fat. Absolutely, it was a very in depth explanation. And I guess what people have got to understand when we're talking about fats, we're not talking about the sort of fats you're going to fry your chicken in. We're talking right. about good, healthy fats derived from plant, animal foods. That's that sort of thing. And when we combine good, healthy fats with carbohydrate restriction and a moderate level of protein i guess as i've experienced that's where the magic happens you go into ketosis right absolutely and you know you've experienced it so you firsthand know uh you know what it has done for you yeah and, and i think what you what you talked about there with the role of inflammation is 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 very important because it plays such a big part in respiratory disease we'll talk about shortly but as far as the history of ketogenic diet, a lot of people think it's a celebrity diet, it's a fad diet, something new. But this diet's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, it was used in the early 1900s. It was the uh, first line treatment for epilepsy, because um, what uh, what what doctors found was that if you removed carbohydrates and sugar from the diet, uh, people who were having seizures would cease to have seizure activity. Um, and be, so it really became first line, uh, first line therapy for that. Actually, what's also interesting, and I, I just learned this from uh, looking back into the archives of the Journal of the American Medical Association, is that they were also using the diet for pediatric asthma. But I haven't seen it. There's just not a lot of research on it. There's case studies, um, but, there, but it, it, it's hard to find good literature. Uh, but just recently, uh, there's been... Uh, some additional studies that just just literally came out talking about the fact that the ketogenic diet may have a, a positive impact on asthma by reducing inflammation in the airways and part of that whole inflammatory process. The diet was a, a really a, a medically supervised diet for years, and of course, what happened was, you know, they came out with drugs to treat these diseases in the 1940s and 50s, and People found it much easier to, to give, especially kids, uh, you know, medications rather than trying to uh, prepare a special diet for them or try to keep them from eating sugar and things like that. And so uh, it was a lot easier to let them uh, eat the stuff that's bad for them but give them medications to try to counteract the effects of that. And that's kind of um, the, the diet sort of fell into obscurity until the 1980s and 1990s when it, there began to be a resurgence uh, of interest in it because of drug-resistant epilepsy. So it's been around a long time, and, and there's there's actually quite a bit of, of science around it, but only, re I think, more recently has it been uh, studied for respiratory uh, things. And, and that's really an exciting area that I think is beginning to emerge. 
I do remember seeing a study and it was back in the 1930s and I think by memory it was 97% of the participants had a positive outcome which is huge I mean if we had a, a study do that today you know people would be doing handstands about about those sort of results so Yes, it's been around a a long time and it's not a fad diet as many people think and it's not a celebrity diet. You know, people have, I guess, in some way demonised this diet for their own reasons, but there's enough science around to support its use as a uh, safe intervention for many diseases. Now, when it comes to the ketogenic diet and respiratory disease i guess that's where we've stumbled across each other a few years ago now there's a number of studies what's your experience as far as the ketogenic diet for respiratory disease well i mean for you know first of all i will say i'm I'm not a physician i I worked for a physician organization for years so you know i I haven't um you know cared for patients with the disease but certainly um, have have researched quite a bit about of it and what's interesting is the journal that i was the publisher of chest actually published uh, quite a bit of of science in the 1990s about providing high-fat nutrition to hospitalized COPD patients. And what they found was that when they provided these patients with a high-fat feeding regimen, uh, it improved their gas exchange and it decreased their CO2 production, which invariably was a benefit um, to them. Uh, But what's fascinating is and you went back to and commented on this earlier, Russell, where you said, you know, doctors really haven't embraced this disease yet, um, is you know, no one really thought to take that application of if it's good for them while they're hospitalized, why aren't we encouraging them to do this when they're not in the hospital, right? It's as almost more of a preventive thing. But, you know, nutrition's weird like that. There's not a lot of training about nutrition in medical school. And, and there is a hesitancy for people to prescribe diets as a as, uh, a medical intervention, but I think we're getting past that, and, and there's a lot of uh, very positive things coming out about keto. I mean, you know, your experience on keto has been pretty phenomenal, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, and I think what I've found in my experience is, is every scientific paper I've read relating to either high-fat or ketogenic diets and what the paper says they do, I've experienced, and that to me is is really supportive in what I'm doing. When you read a paper that says that the ketone body will suppress inflammasomes, so make you less inflamed, and then you actually see that, and as you know, I've got data to support that, and you see that reduction in, in, in the inflammatory process. You know, for me, especially at you know, times like this where we're, we've got this pandemic around, I think now's the time for all respiratory patients to make sure that good nutrition is a high priority because, you know, in my view, and as I say, I'm not a doctor either, the more you can suppress that inflammation, it then becomes protective against a lot of illnesses. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you hit on it. You know, there's, there's what's interesting about ketones and ketone bodies, as well as the, keto, the, the ketogenic diet, is that, you know, they have quite a few different properties that we didn't even know about 10 or 20 years ago. So for the longest time, um, uh, researchers thought that ketones are simply an alternative fuel um, that your body created under times where it didn't have carbohydrates or glucose to burn. And what they've learned by studying these over the past 20 years is is the ketone uh, BHB or beta-hydroxybutyrate is actually a signaling molecule. 
um, and it has a number of different effects on different types of, of, of um, biological and physiological pathways in your body. One of them is just what you mentioned. Um, BHB has been shown to suppress um, part of the inflammatory process of the NLRP3 inflammasome. And, and so, you know, that, that mediation of that kind of inflammation is important in diseases that are, that, um, are impacted by that inflammatory pathway. And COPD happens to be one of them. Um, the, the other thing is that, um, you know, we also know that you know, ketone bodies have a, have a very strong effect on oxidative stress. They also um, have been uh, shown to, to actually be a preferred fuel uh, for your brain and to basically improve brain energy metabolism. So you know, in, in patients that have some cognitive uh, issues, and, and we know that you know, when you are constantly uh, hypo uh, oxygenated and things like that, you know, thinking clearly sometimes can can be impacted. And so, in certain diseases and disease states, um, you know, they're looking at uh, you know what the research would suggest that the ketogenic diet could improve. And cognition is one of those things that they're looking at that's shown promise in early studies. So it's it's kind of an interesting multifactorial benefit to to the diet and and the ketones themselves. For our audience at home who, who aren't across the whole ketogenic world, so when we talk about BHB, uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, it is the main circulating ketone body within your blood. So this particular ketone, and this is made when we go onto a ketogenic diet, you know, so um, I guess the best way to sum it up is imagine that BHB is a little pill that you take, but instead of taking it, you formulate it in your body. And what that does is suppress inflammation in your body. So I say it like that because a lot of people these days, and I think that's why doctors don't look at nutrition, we're all looking for the magic pill. And, you know, everyone wants to just take a pill and it'll solve all their problems. And sadly, that doesn't happen. You know, it might do for a headache or a backache or something like that. But for when you're talking about chronic diseases, those diseases have to be managed as as a holistic approach. And nutrition, as we're talking about, is just part of the strategy. So I sort of like to think of it as BHB, your main circulating ketone that you make when on a ketogenic diet, is that magic pill to suppress inflammation. And we have plenty of science now to support that. Yeah, you know, it's it, what's interesting, and, and uh, you mentioned the magic pill or the magic bullet, is you know one of the things that, that's really hit hit in the last five years also are uh, exogenous ketone supplements. And, you know, the, the thing is that, um, you know, there's, there's increased interest in them, especially in research, because it's a lot easier to research the, 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 the impact of BHB in the body when you know that you can measure the levels of it. And, and, you know, studying people who are on a diet is very difficult because it's hard to control what people eat 24 seven. And if people don't, comply with the nutritional requirements of a dietary study, um, you know, then, then, you know, the data is, is meaningless. And of course, you know, unless you've locked them down and are controlling everything that they put in your, in their mouth, the sad thing is, you know, human beings are fairly unreliable at self-reporting what they eat with any accuracy. And so, you know, it's, it's hard for there to be really good studies on, on diet. And so I think, you know, one thing that I'm excited about at the advent of 
ketone supplementation isn't just that it can be uh, a great way to boost some of the effects of the ketogenic diet, but it also makes it easier for researchers to study the effects of BHB and these ketone bodies in our body. And, and that to me is something that's really exciting um, is now we're starting to see these, these, these research studies come out because they can actually um, do that research with some, some semblance of confidence uh, in, in the circulating levels of BHB that are in people's bodies. Yeah, look, absolutely. I I was very fortunate. Back in 2017, I was in the UK and I visited uh, Dr. Kieran Clark at uh, Oxford right. University. And of course, Dr. Kieran Clark and Richard Veach developed uh, the first uh, ketone ester. Anyhow, at that stage when I visited uh, Kieran, I was I was actually very breathless, and she got me to sample the raw beta hydroxybutyrate supplement ketone ester and it is horrible <laughs> and within an hour my symptoms had reduced markedly and and my wife and my son who was traveling with us uh, had made the comment they can't believe how it has suppressed that breathlessness that you're experiencing now you know that's not science it's just a personal experience so later on when uh, i've come back to australia we now have bhb supplement that is commercially available and i did some work with where we supplemented um, the ketone ester um, with blood markers um, mainly crp and what was interesting in a 12-hour period we were able to shift my crp crp levels down just by supplementing and to a level that i'd never achieved before so i think there there's a, a lot of work we need to do in this area because especially for respiratory patients I think uh, the ketogenic diet or supplementation can be a very useful strategy. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I think that there's a role for both. Um, you know, I think what well, I always fear that people are going to think that there's just a magic bullet um, that they can take and they can continue to uh, practice bad habits and poor eating. You know, as a, as a nutrition coach, I always want to see people eat the right way. Um, but I think there's a lot of promise for using supplementation to boost things and to, to improve benefit. Uh, I think you know, the other thing that, that's interesting, too, though, is there's been some studies that have shown uh, there was one that came out late last year that was looking at the impact of the ketogenic diet on viruses. And um, they were specifically looking at influenza. Um, but there's definitely some some evidence that the ketogenic diet has sort of a, a immune enhancing or a protective effect against certain types of viruses in the body. Um, and But they had a control group that had uh, people on a ketogenic diet, they had people on a ketogenic diet and, and supplemental ketones, and then they had a group that was on supplemental ketones, and then they had a group that was on nothing, you know, just normal diet. And what was interesting was it was only the, the, the people who were on the ketogenic diet who showed the, the impact. And so I think, you know, there's, there's, there's not, there's definitely not a replacement for the diet, you know, and, and, uh, but I think that there are some, some opportunities to enhance that effect. And, you know, again, this is really fascinating. So what is it about the constant consuming of those fats that, that enhances the effect, um, of, of the diet on those viruses? That's a really interesting thing. And I can't wait for more research to come out about it. And I think that's that's going to happen soon. Uh, I mean, we've seen this week, I think it's Buck Institute, where Brianna Stubbs uh, works, they've released a, a paper summarising the effects of the ketone bodies on viruses. And they draw a picture in that, that study about 
the role of the ketone body being able to suppress cytokines, which are very important in the development of COVID-19. Also, the suppression of inflammation, oxidative stress, uh, all these things, not only are they relevant with viruses and the current one we experience now, they're also relevant with respiratory diseases, whether that yes. be COPD, pulmonary fibrosis, asthma. All these diseases all have one thing in common, and that is inflammation. Talk a little bit about uh, diet and, and glucose, because you know, another area that's kind of interesting that the ketogenic diet showing promise for um, is you know, that, that they've shown uh, in some studies that, that when there's a high level of glucose in airway surfactant liquid, um, it makes the airways more prone to infections. And certain bacteria uh, seem to grow better and take hold better when there's higher levels of glucose in that so airway surface liquid. And so the, I think that there's, there's a role there for looking at carbohydrate restriction and sugar restriction in order to keep glucose levels low because they may actually create a more hospitable environment uh, for certain types of bacterial infections in the lung. Uh, so you know, that coupled with the, the anti-inflammatory effects of the diet or, or exogenous ketone supplements. To, I mean, this, this stuff to me is just really, we're like on the cusp of some really exciting things here that I hope will benefit respiratory patients because you know, having worked for an organization for 25 years, that, that constant sort of new things coming out that may be of benefit or it's always exciting to hear about. It is. And, you know, my experience as well, uh, four years now or coming up four years, I've been using ketogenic diet. In the past, I would uh, generally have two infections a year where I'd be on prednisone antibiotics. I haven't been on either of those drugs for just about just over three years. Um, wow. So touch wood, I haven't had an infection. You know, I'm, I'm known in the community as a COPD athlete because I do marathons and all sorts of things, but I'm a firm believer that lifestyle intervention and the holistic approach to managing COPD is the reason why I can do that. It's not that I've found a magic pill or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, it's your strategies you use to manage your disease, which is so important. Well, I think you're, you're, you you hit the nail on the head too. That you know you're also very active, and you know we certainly know uh, that you know pulmonary rehabilitation uh, and exercise are important for helping people with compromised lung function and to help them uh, you know try to uh, strengthen their breathing and and to uh, stave off you know the effects and the symptoms of some of the diseases that they may suffer from. So you know you're you're, you're combining all the the elements that a person should uh, should do, and I think you're you're a great uh, walking example of, of what can be possible if people uh, take, you know, truly take control of their uh, of their habits and their lifestyle and can try to positively impact what's happening. Um, you know, I mean, you know, how about, you know, t t tell me a little bit about this, you know, because I mean, I, we're talking about all the great things about it. Have you had any negative, uh, you know, because, you know, I'm not, I've been a ketogenic dieter for years, so there's certain things I've run into, but, you know, you've got the added uh, complexity of having a severe lung disease, you know, what kind of side effects have you had from it? And, uh, you know, do you have any thoughts about that that you want to talk to people about or that you want questions for me uh, along those lines? It's, it's a good question to ask because for me, I haven't had any long-term side effects and it's a debate I have with a, a, new, a couple of nutritionists back here in Australia of why the ketogenic diet doesn't get used. Now, there was a paper years ago about gastric 
emptying through high fat diets. Now, the thing is, when you adopt to anything in life, you have to do it slowly and you have to process to do that. Now, when I first started the ketogenic diet, I went full ball into it because that's the sort of person I am. And I was eating a lot of fat. And of course, my body wasn't ready for that. And so diarrhea was absolutely part and parcel of, of what happened. But then after talking to a few people about what was happening, they said, no, no, no. I said, you've got to just do it, you know, transfer over uh, slowly and let your body get used to transferring over to the diet, which I then did. So I I went more of a process where I had already restricted the carbohydrates. I was having moderate protein, but I was only then going from moderate to amount of fat. And that was the game changer for me. I never had any of those side effects again. I built up the amount of fat that I was consuming. My body was able to to cope with that fine. And nowadays, I, I don't have any side effects from using a ketogenic diet whatsoever. My body is totally used to it. So for me personally, you know, my inflammation levels are crazy low, which is what everyone wants. My uh, cholesterol levels are in the perfect range. Um, so these are things that we need to look at when we're, when we're monitoring our disease. The big thing for me, I guess, is also my pulmonary function. So the, the uh, respiratory scientist who did my last pulmonary function test uh, commented that the last test was the best result I'd had since being diagnosed with COPD. So, wow. you know, that's a, a pretty powerful thing when you see that and you notice it in day-to-day life, just your breathing and how much better you feel. So, you know, that the only side effect that I would say that I had was those early days and that was transitioning. And I think a lot of that would have been able to be managed if I... Uh, did the diets through a experienced nutritional dietitian type person. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great point is, you know, it's always good to get somebody who's got some experience with it to help coach you through because there's certainly things you can do. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned um, the fact, you know, when I talk to a lot of people, they, they, they go online, they see things, and there is some conflicting science about, you know, is a ketogenic diet safe long term? And, you know, the thing I'll go back to is say, look, you know, they were they were putting kids on this diet for years back in the early 1900s without side effects. And, you know, so I think that, um, number one, you know, it, it is safe long term. Um, and uh, but there, there's been some questionable studies about uh, certain things like, you know, cholesterol levels and things like that. My my experience is similar to yours. Um, when I first started going low carb and doing keto, I had high triglycerides. My blood pressure was high. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and I had, I was sporting a little bit of a gut, um, and I dropped, you know, 35 pounds, everything normalized and my cholesterol levels have always been fairly good regardless. Um, but my triglycerides were high and they normalized almost within a month. It was, it was crazy how, how quickly the change happened. And, um, you know, I just felt better. But, you know, the, the, the thing that I question is if you go back and look at some of these studies and they say, you know, a high fat diet. Well, a lot of times the high fat diet wasn't a high fat, low carb diet or, you know, or it wasn't a high fat, low carb and moderate protein diet. And so you, know, you have to a lot of times you know, if they're only looking at that one parameter of fat, but they're not taking into account 
the other things, then you know it, it, it causes a lot of confusion. And so uh, I think to have any opportunity to hear from people like you who have real world experience doing this and knowing that, okay, yeah, I did the diet, had some diarrhea. Um, I know some people who have the diet have constipation. Uh, you know, there's things that can mitigate that, like, you know, increasing fiber or making sure you're well hydrated or using, uh, a lot of times people on keto are, are um, they have low electrolyte balances, so they need to supplement their electrolytes with uh, magnesium and, and uh, things like so- sodium and potassium, things like that, and that will actually help normalize some of the GI discomfort. But, um, you know, that said, if that's, if that's the worst side effect that you have, I think it's something that's manageable for most people. And certainly the benefits uh, outweigh that, and, and over time, like you say, your body adapts and normalizes to it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think it's important. You you can do this diet by yourself, but I wouldn't advise it if you don't have some support or some knowledge that you can, like someone knowledgeable you can go back to. There's a growing number of dietitians, uh, both here in Australia and also where you are in the US, that are promoting this diet that can coach you through it. And I think if, if being able to pay someone to do that as an option for you, I would highly recommend it. Because, you know, sometimes you can smooth out some of those road bumps by, by going down that path. By the way, I'm a nutrition coach. I didn't pay Russell to say that. <laughs> 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 but, but, you know, the thing that I, I, you, you make a great point there. And, you know, five years ago when I started on this journey myself, um, you know, I had I would talk to nutritionists and they thought I was completely crazy. And said, "Oh no, you know that's a you can't do that diet. It's a it's a bad diet, you know." And well, why? Oh, because it's so high in fat, or because it's you know does this or that. And it's amazing now to see uh, the things are beginning to turn around, and you're being be, being you're seeing acceptance both by nutritionists and dietitians. And in fact, you've got hosp- entire hospital systems now that have a ketogenic diet or a ketogenic therapies program, like you know Johns Hopkins and some of these places that realize that there's also benefits uh, of this diet as uh, something that can help uh, patients who are doing chemotherapy for cancer and things like that, that it sometimes can can help improve uh, the effects or it can also help their immune system uh, bounce back after they've been on chemo a while. And so there's all these things that are beginning to get more mainstream acceptance by healthcare professionals. And for those of us who've been uh, on the end of like you said earlier, people thinking it's just a fad diet or it's just a weight loss diet or something like that. It's it's really nice to see uh, that validation occurring. Absolutely. And speaking of other diseases, I thought it would be a good idea to just mention a few because many COPD patients aren't just managing one disease, they're managing multiple diseases. And I guess the two that, that crop up the most that I hear of is diabetes and also uh, arthritis and you see uh, those two are, are quite common in the COPD and respiratory community. That's, th- th- those are, what's interesting about the, all, all these things you mentioned is they have a, 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 a hallmark uh, and that is uh, inflammation. And I think you know, when you go back and you look at you know, diet, type two diabetes, number one, it is something that um, can be managed by diet. And we're seeing more and more uh, interventions and therapeutic interventions that are being um, tested uh, clinical trials on patients doing uh, low carb and ketogenic dieting, showing that it not only uh, can help manage uh, your blood sugar, stabilize it, 
but it actually you're seeing patients now who are reversing their diabetes who are getting off medications or drastically reduce, reducing their need for medication or even getting their their a1c's and their blood glucose levels back to the point where they no longer are classified as being diabetic yeah that to me is is absolutely thrilling and you've got uh, organizations like Verta Health out in California that have a whole program that's now being implemented with the VA and some other healthcare systems um, to, to help that. And so I think you know, a ketogenic diet, um, at, at very least a low-carb diet, should absolutely be first-line um, consideration for a type 2 diabetic because it can really help uh, them uh, stabilize their blood sugar and reduce the need for medication. Um, I mean, you think about it, it's pretty logical. If you don't eat the things that cause your blood sugar to go up, then then you don't need to use the medications to try to bring the blood sugar back down to a normal level. And you know, over time, you know, your body really gets um, burned out in terms of uh, those constant blood sugar highs and, and insulin releases, and that's what causes uh, insulin resistance and all those things. And so diabetes is absolutely something that can help. Plus, when you when you have a, a diet like the keto diet that, can, that at the same time helps people to lose weight, you have that added benefit of the weight loss, which can also help improve uh, lung stress and things like that and respiratory function. Um, so that, that's a big one for sure. Um, and then with arthritis, I think, you know, you've kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when you talked about uh, BHB's uh, uh, ability to suppress inflammation. And I, I personally have known quite a few people who've done the ketogenic diet. And, and you know, these are all anecdotal, um, but uh, have, have reported less aches and pains, less severe uh, achiness in their joints uh, once they started uh, doing the diet and, and did it for a while. So I think those two absolutely are, are things that can benefit from uh, a keto diet. The other one that uh, just come to mind too, because I remember seeing this paper a little while ago, uh, is the benefit for people suffering with migraines mm-hmm. using the ketogenic diet as well. Yeah, you know, ketones, you know, uh, there have been studies that have shown that if, even if you're eating carbohydrates, if you consume ketone supplements, your brain will preferentially use the ketones for fuel. So there's definitely a connection there where um, ketones are, are incredibly useful for your brain because they're a high yield fuel. Um, in fact, ketones generate, I think, 38% more energy or more ATP um, than glucose does. So you know, your brain's a very energy hungry organ. Um, and I know I've read some of those studies around migraines, and you know, it's kind of a two factor uh, process where. Um, Number one, by not eating a lot of carbohydrates and sugar, it kind of helps to calm down some of the overexcitability that happens in the brain when you reward those pleasure centers with um, sugar or high levels of glucose. Um, but there's also the, the inflammatory, the, the anti-inflammatory effect of not eating those things, as well as um, with, a ke- with ketones or a ketogenic diet, you also have a reduction in oxidative stress, which they think may play a role uh, with migraines. So, you know, in general, it kind of helps improve brain energy metabolism, uh, which is, you know, I think helps, the theory is that it helps alleviate the migraines. Um, so I think you're right, that's something that people can definitely look into uh, for for another use of the ketogenic diet. I mean, and, you know, this is why, you know, one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to work with uh, my co-author to write a book on this, because there's just so many different things uh, that the ketogenic diet can help with. And it's really, to me, just exciting and uh, could be hugely beneficial to so many people at, with so many different 
uh, disorders that could be potentially helped. It's it's interesting online. Um, you will see some people who are down on the keto diet make comment that you know, you people talk about this diet like it's the cure all for everything, and it's not the cure all for everything. But the reality is that many of our chronic diseases all have one thing in common, and that is inflammation. And there is enough science, plenty of science, showing that the ketogenic diet or supplementation of ketones can reduce inflammation significantly. So, yes, it does help with a lot of different diseases, but they all do have one thing in common, and that is inflammation. Speaking of which, um, I thought we'd get to a few questions. I've got a lot of questions come in, but they're, they're all pretty similar. So the first one, I'm so Rosie from the UK, I think Rosie's from, uh, what are the effects on blood cholesterol? So we've sort of covered this, but her concern, I guess, is, you know, if she has a high-fat diet, a ketogenic diet, is her cholesterol going to skyrocket? Well, I think, you know, everybody's different, but I, I think the important message, like we talked about earlier, is, you know, cholesterol is not the villain that we thought it was. And if you're eating a, if, if you're eating a ketogenic diet and you are consuming, uh, you know, high, high amounts of, of good saturated fats, um, you know, that cholesterol isn't a danger to you. It's really about, uh, you know, it, as long as you keep your carbohydrates low and you try to keep that low level inflammation and that chronic inflammation in your body low, you're, you're not creating the environment for the cholesterol to uh, be oxidized and, and then turn into something that would be damaging. And so I think, you know, the, the concerns there are, are not as severe as we've been led to believe over the last 50 years. Yeah. Janet contacted me and she says, hi, I am on the transplant list, so I am not to lose any weight. But I do find on a ketogenic diet, it makes breathing a lot easier and I don't get bloated. Is it possible on the ketogenic diet to stay a healthy weight that I am now? And if so, how? Oh, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question. You know, people think of the ketogenic diet as being a weight loss diet because uh, most people who are overweight if they go on it, they tend to lose weight. Um, but you know, weight loss really comes down to how many calories you eat. And with a ketogenic diet, if, if, if you are in a situation like, like hers where she doesn't want or doesn't need to lose weight, um, then the, the answer is simply to eat enough calories um, that you don't go into a calorie deficit. And the great thing is on a high-fat diet, it doesn't take much <laughs> to consume <laughs> a lot of calories. Um, you know, when you're eating uh, you know, fat-rich foods, you know, sometimes it's actually a challenge uh, because you get so satiated eating uh, fatty foods that you just don't get hungry. And I, I know I know a lot of people who you know, they inadvertently don't eat as much as they used to when they're on a ketogenic diet because they feel satiated and full and are not constantly hungry. So you know, for her concern, I would say just make sure that you're uh, you're tracking your calories and you you understand what what level of calories you need to maintain a healthy weight and, and ensure that you're eating that number. You know, you can use apps like MyFitnessPal and things like that, which uh, you, you can use to help track your calories. Yeah, and you've, you've raised a good point there about ketogenic diets or high-fat diets being satiating because I've done this experiment myself where if you put a, a 2,000 calories of a ketogenic meal in front of you and then 2,000 calories of a carbohydrate-rich meal in front of you, <laughs> you'll get through that ketogenic meal so much quicker you won't feel bloated and you won't feel breathless so 
you know, when we look at a, a high carbohydrate meal, it, it's got to be big because carbohydrates aren't nutrient dense. So you have to right. eat more, more of them to get the same amount of nutrients. So I think that's, especially people who are struggling with weight loss. You know, I sometimes wonder where a high carbohydrate meal is doing them more damage than good because it is recommended, but it's not necessarily recommended for any good reason. Right, absolutely. No, you're completely right. And you know, you just the interesting the comment that you said was you eat you eat a high carbohydrate meal and it leaves you somewhat breathless. Um, and that's just astounding to me that you know it can have such an effect so quickly on somebody who's got a a, a compromising respiratory disease. And that right there, to me, should should be a red flag that hmm, maybe this isn't such a good way to eat, right? Um, and yet it's what's recommended. You're right. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and the, the nutritional guidance has to change. And I'm hoping that you know, by people like you and, and doing things like this, we can begin to get the word out and, and keep urging the powers that be to, to look at those nutrition recommendations and change them. Yeah, it's a, it's a goal that I'm, uh, I'm very much walking, working towards here in Australia and, and overseas is to get some of our respiratory associations or foundations to change their, their recommended nutritional strategies because you're never going to convince me that pasta, rice and bread is good for a respiratory patient and there's plenty of science supporting that it wouldn't be. So think of making yourself breathless when you're eating, then think about eating pasta and rice and bread because that's exactly what it will do and it's it's been my experience many many times even though i love italian <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i mean on that too it, there, there are strategies you can use if you have like they say a cheat meal or you go out to dinner or what that sort of thing there are strategies you can use to uh, basically not have such a, a big effect on you um, you know, for me, one of the ones, and it's probably a, a long conversation, but uh, fasting is something that I use if I go out to dinner with friends and, you know, the restaurant hasn't got what I, I want or I may decide I'm, I'm going to have a pasta meal because I love it. So if I do that, invariably, I won't eat until dinner the following night. So I'll have a 24-hour of fasting and I find that gets me over the effects of eating those sort of meals very quickly. Yeah, you know, fasting, that's a great thing. We, we t- uh, talk, a lot, talk a little bit about that in the book. It's one of the things that we focus on as an adjunct strategy to enhance ketosis. Um, and, it, and it's incredibly effective. And it's actually, uh, you know, it's actually pretty good for you, too. You know, you're, 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 you know we, we as a society <clears throat> have gotten into a habit of feeling like we have to eat three meals a day and we have to snack in between meals. And, and all it's done is get us obese and, and, and sick, you know. And so your body's designed to not have to constantly have food in it all the time. And yet, you know, we've, we've created this expectation and, and gotten into these habits that I think um, once you free yourself from that, it, it's amazing how much better you feel. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it, I, I know when I do some fasting, I feel so much sort of, I just like lighter on my feet is one way to describe it. I mean, I just sort of feel like my body's working a lot better when it's not all bogged down with food 24-7. Um, so that's that's a great point, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, um, and and the the frequency of meals is something that is, you know, it's such a big thing. I know in the respiratory community, you know, we're told to eat more small meals a day. You know, have more frequent feedings, just smaller meals, because that'll stop you being breathless. Well, you know what, it doesn't. 
because it really depends what those small meals are. If you're eating six high-carbohydrate meals throughout the day, you're going to make yourself more breathless. You're going to spike that inflammation. You're going to do everything that we don't want to do. So I, I, I can't understand why that's still promoted as a strategy for respiratory patients. And I have defied many researchers to come and show me the research that supports that way of eating. Still yet to see any research. So me personally, I haven't eaten more than three meals a day for since I've been on this diet. I have two meals a day. They are generally lunch and dinner. It's very rare that I'll have breakfast. And if I do have breakfast, I won't have lunch. Because I'm eating, I'm eating a ketogenic diet, a high-fat, low-carb regime, and you are satiated. I'm still getting in my two to two and a half thousand calories a day, which is ideal for me. But it's just so much easier to eat like that. You're not thinking about when you're preparing your next meal, and and ketogenic meals can be so easy. You know, um, they can be as simple as uh, a, an avocado and a couple of poached eggs. There's a ketogenic meal. You know, the people, I think, have overcomplicated what's involved in eating this way. You know, if someone said to me before I went down this road, hey, you can have bacon and eggs and that's going to be good for you, I would have thought, really? But it actually is. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. No, I, you I'm, know. I'm with you. I eat eggs every day. Um, they're very satiating. Uh, you know, I, I'll eat them, I mean, all kinds of ways. You know, let's poach them. Let's... Uh, over easy. Let's uh, let's scramble them with some spinach and some vegetables. And uh, uh, you know, you're right. And you know, some kind of uh, uh, meat or uh, uh, if if you if you tolerate dairy well, you can have cheese with it. And uh, as long as it's real, you know, actual cheese, it's a. You're right. I mean, the meals are delicious and they're they're easy to make and they're very filling. And when you're in a ketogenic diet, you you're not hungry three meals a day. You know, no. you, you really are just hungry a couple times a day. It's phenomenal. I love it. Saves on the grocery bill too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. People think it's going to be expensive, but it's not because you're not eating as much no. as often. That's right. Back to the questions, a couple more. Uh, Deborah, she has asked, how do you avoid constipation and bowel problems? Which is not, well, I've, I've discussed that briefly, my experience, but I've not experienced constipation on a ketogenic diet. Quite the opposite. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I have not had the constipation, but I know people who have. Um, what I've been told is that you know, hide, make sure you're you're well hydrated, drink plenty of water. You know, people don't realize when you are on a keto diet, you do uh, you do tend to pass more water. Uh, the other thing is you also uh, excrete more electrolytes. So the other thing that's really important is make sure that you're getting uh, electrolytes like magnesium. Um, and uh, uh, you know potassium and, and sodium things like that because that uh, magnesium especially I'm told can help with constipation um, and the other thing is to make sure that you're eating uh, you know fibrous vegetables you know dark green vegetables things like that as your vegetables um, on the diet uh, hopefully that should help as well but um, I personally haven't experienced constipation like you it's it's more been on the other side of the spectrum but that tends to um, depend on you know, if I uh, if I eat a, a big dose of MCT oil or something like that or coconut oil, um, you know, that tends to clear the pipes out pretty well. It certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, Robin's written in, we've actually covered this, but Robin has asked, recommended by, for diabetes, which obviously, mm-hmm. yes, it is. As you say, there's many companies now uh, who are going down this road, Verda Health being one of them. And interesting enough, one of Verda's founders, uh, Dr. Steve Finney, who was a an earlier guest on my podcast 
was one of the doctors who used to treat respiratory patients with high fat supplements in hospital settings. And he talked about how you could get vent dependent, ventilator dependent patients or ventilators through right. using a high fat supplement. And this yeah. is something he, he does not understand how it's not used today because they used it quite successfully. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's a, the, the nutrition needs to catch up with the science, and it's just the re- those recommendations are so behind the times. Um, but yeah, absolutely. One other thing, and I don't know whether you've had experience, and I, I just thought I'd I'd mention it is I have had uh, a couple of patients who have had cystic fibrosis who have used ketogenic diet and have also noticed uh, quite a difference. And in particular, I know. I had significant changes, good changes, and to this day is still on it and was was quite excited at the fact that she was able to use a strategy that made a big difference to her disease. Yeah, you know, I, I've heard that. I don't know anybody personally who's experienced, um, you know, using the diet for cystic fibrosis. But again, when you think about uh, the potential benefits that the diet can have in terms of uh, helping your respiratory output and your respiratory quotient, reducing CO2 emissions, um, and then the added a- aspect of the potential for suppressing inflammation. It, it would certainly make sense, um, but uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not aware of uh, studies yet that have shown uh, that's something I'd have to look up. I haven't looked it up specifically. Okay. I know that there's been quite a bit on multiple sclerosis and, and keto um, and of course, then there's the Walls protocol that Dr. Terry Walls has created from the University of Iowa, um, which is kind of a, uh, a cross between a you know, natural, a paleo, and sort of a low carb uh, diet that she's had success with. And um, yeah, so but but CF, I, I don't know uh, the science behind that. But it's a good question. I'd love to look it up. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of emerging implications for the ketogenic diet as we as we move forward with with new studies. I guess. One thing I'd love to talk to you about is is what is in your new book? <laughs> well, I think the bigger question is what isn't in it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually uh, the, uh, appreciate you having me on. Let me talk about it for a minute because I'm excited about this for all the reasons that we've been talking about today. And that is, you know, uh, I, I teamed up with uh, Dr. Lori Shemek. And Dr. Lori Shemek wrote uh, a book called How to Fat Fight, How to Fight Fat Inflammation. Um, she's kind of a uh, she's known as the inflammation uh, terminator, and, and her her big area of, of research and study has been uh, fighting inflammation. And so we teamed up to write this book because we wanted to create kind of the definitive guide that that talked about ketogenic nutrition, but we really wanted to go beyond just the ketogenic diet and talk about uh, what we consider to be uh, the, the the four major techniques to help people achieve and maintain ketosis, and that is your nutrition and the ketogenic diet is one aspect. Uh, intermittent fasting, which you and I just talked a little bit about, um, is, is a great way to help optimize <clears throat> ketone levels. Uh, we talk about ketone supplementation uh, like we just did with racemic ketone salts or ketone monoesters, uh, and we also talk about exercise and its role. And so uh, in, in doing that, we, we cover the gamut of, uh, we, we devote a chapter to a, a lot of the different uh, diseases that have been shown to benefit from the ketogenic diet, including the ones that you and I talked about today, but we also dug into uh, cognitive function, neurologic diseases, uh, and mood disorders quite a bit in the book, which have also shown uh, a lot of benefit from a high-fat, low-carb ketogenic diet, as well as potentially from ketone supplementation. 
And we also talk a little bit about cancer and uh, the concepts behind um, how the ketogenic diet may be able to help the body um, fight cancer because of the dependence cancer cells have on glucose, or at least certain types of cancer. Not all cancers uh, react that way, but a lot of cancers um, require large amounts of glucose to, to proliferate. And so there's a lot of research being done, and there's actually clinical trials going on right now on the use of the ketogenic diet for helping to make uh, traditional therapies like chemo and radiation more effective. And we talk a little bit about that metabolic component of, of um, cancer that could be of benefit. So, um, you know, we really wanted to have a, a, a book that did more than just talk about the ketogenic diet. And, and that's what we did. It's, it's called The Ketogenic Key. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's literally like the Encyclopedia Britannica of, of ketones and ketosis. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. And uh, uh, in fact, I'd love for you to, to take a look at it and, and give me your thoughts, uh, because I think for, you know, we, I, I specifically put a chapter in about respiratory diseases because of conversations that you and I have had, that I think this is an important area of emerging research and emerging interest with the diet that needs to be talked about. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting my copy and Amazon, I believe, is that that the best place to get yep. it? Yep, it's on it's on Amazon, uh, available for Kindle. It's also available in soft cover. Uh, the soft cover is 324 pages. So I just warn you, like I said, it's an encyclopedia. We uh, uh, yeah, it took us a year, over a year, to write this, um, but it definitely covers the topic pretty exhaustively. And I think uh, it, it just provides a lot of insight into the potential mechanisms and benefits. Uh, of keto for a lot of different things and i think for those people at home the the message is that inflammation drives so many diseases so why there is a chapter in this book about respiratory it's not specifically the whole book's not on respiratory but the lessons to be learned out of this book would definitely apply to respiratory diseases so well worth buying it it's funny while we're sitting here i've had a, a question come in on facebook for a, a lady called kelly and I think she will answer her question what we've done today, but she's talked about where to start to understand the ketogenic diet. And I think, you know, that's part of the problem we see in social media is so many people make this diet confusing where it's not. It's, it's very simple to understand. So I guess I urge people to go to resources that are reputable in understanding this diet and for me the two that i cite the most are would be the charlie foundation their website but also a mutual friend of ours dr dominic diagostino has a, a site called uh, keto keto nutrition.org and uh, i would say to people if you're looking at going down this road these are two websites that you can definitely get some good information reliable information backed by science Yep. I, you know, I, I, would, I would agree with you completely. Those two are both phenomenal resources. I know we disc, we uh, mentioned the Charlie Foundation in the book, and uh, I know Dr. D'Agostino, and he's a, a pioneer in, in this kind of research. I know you've been working with him, uh, and um, he's an incredible source of knowledge. So I, I second those recommendations. I think unless you've got uh, anything you'd like to add to this conversation today, I think I've taken up a fair bit of your time. Is there anything you think we haven't covered? No, I don't think there is. I think, you know, and I'll just put in a plug in for, for 
uh, the book. I think if people are looking for a, a, another good resource, I really do believe, and I know I'm biased, but I believe that our book is a great resource because it does cover the diet and nutrition, but it also talks about uh, all the other things that, that ketosis can be beneficial for. And, and we've tried to lay it out in a way that's simple. So uh, I hope people will check it out. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast, Russell. Uh, you know, you're an inspiration, I think, to me and, and I know to other patients. And what you're doing is incredibly important. So uh, you know, anything I can do to support you, I, I hope we can continue to have conversations like this going forward. I'm sure we will, Steve. And I look forward to continued conversations. I appreciate your time today. And thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Russell.